Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So a lot to do today. Let's go ahead and jump right in it. You know, one of the things that you see happen in college sports over and over again, college football in particular, is that the very best recruiting programs kind of remain the very best recruiting programs. What does the kids say? Kings stay kings. There is a there's a way in which that seems to be true for college football. And and one of the reasons why that is is because of the infrastructure in place. You know, that when you're taking care of business for the current recruiting cycle, you can always kind of work ahead and, you know, lay foundation for 2023 and 2024. And we understand all of that. But there's also these sort of unfair kind of built-in advantages that kind of also work to your benefit too, and Georgia certainly has plenty of those. For instance, Georgia's one of the four teams that's still alive for the college football playoff. That is in itself kind of free, earned media where Georgia gets a lot of attention that a lot of other college football programs cannot really dream of having. Plus, when you have a history of putting guys into the NFL and those uh, players play in these kind of high-profile games, huge TV audience, it kind of becomes its own commercial for your program too. And then every now and then, one of your former players will kind of take that extra step to really kind of punch that and, and to really kind of emphasize that uh, a little bit more. I'm not saying that Georgia linebacker Roquan Smith did this intentionally, but the timing on this could not have worked out any better. Of course, Roquan, the former Butkus Award winner there at UGA, and it was so much fun to see this year, Nicobe Dean, a linebacker that was once tabbed with being the next Roquan, it was so much fun to see a guy like N'Kobe, uh, uh Dean f- truly follow in Roquan Smith's footsteps and and uh, you know live up to that hype and win the Buckus Award there himself. It's quite a legacy that has happened for Georgia with the linebacker position here over the course of the last few years. Well, last night, this is a very quick, short clip, but last night uh, as Roquan was announcing himself in the as a starter in that game against uh, Green Bay, He kind of gave a nice little shout-out to UGA that whether he did this intentionally or not, the timing could not have worked out better for Georgia as we had a couple of days away from the start of the early signing period. This very briefly, Roquan Smith from national television. Roquan Smith, LBU, Georgia. First of all, you love the way he kind of draws that at the end there, the Georgia. You love the idea of that. We've had Roquan on Dog Nation Daily before, and Roquan's talked with us before about how much he loved his time there at UGA and how much he does want to see other great players follow in his footsteps and come there to Georgia there as well. And in particular, this notion that Georgia now can kind of cite itself as something of a linebacker university. That's what Roquan Smith meant, obviously, by the LBU phrase. And Roquan starts all that in the Kirby Smart era. A guy like N'Kobe Dean continues all of that here this year. And you have to imagine... This does make things a little easier for Georgia when it recruits that next generation of linebackers that have a chance to do what Roquan and Dean and guys like that have done. And hard not to think about the visit weekend ongoing at Georgia this past weekend when big names were on hand. And I tell you a guy who is, this has been a 2022 cycle that has been filled with what I think of as fan favorites. Guys like Jalen Walker and Malachi Starks and Big Bear Alexander, always very active on social media, very you know, aggressive with their commentary when they're asked to talk about UGA. They always have a lot to say, always seem to be big fans of the program. 
A guy that is not taking a backseat to anybody right now on that front is Julian Humphrey. The recent, we'll call him a flip from Florida, decommitted from the Gators, and pretty soon after that recommitted to the University of Georgia, or I should say committed to the University of Georgia on the heels of that Florida decommitment. And man, uh, Humphrey just seems to really enjoy himself some UGA, really love UGA, and it's fun to watch that. It's one of the things that's just true now. The modern age in which we live in, the presence of social media, things like that, just make the act of following recruiting so much easier to do. We just we see things now that pre-social media we wouldn't be able to do. Pre-internet we definitely wouldn't be able to do. We're just kind of more of a part of the inner workings of some of this kind of stuff on a big weekend because a lot of these guys are good enough to share it there on social media. And in light of Roquan Smith calling Georgia linebacker university and obviously to see Nicobe Dean follow up when the Buckus Award here this year kind of fun to see Julian Humphrey's tweet over the weekend where he also had himself of course Humphrey at George commit he had himself a big time linebacker name right there next to him there as well let me show you this on the screen this is from Humphrey on Twitter showing off uh, Shamar James that's also Chandler Smith the wide receiver who Jeff Sintel talked about on Friday when he joined us on Dog Nation Daily uh there they are having a good time by the way it was very foggy in Georgia this weekend I saw some other photos you kind of see this in the background a little bit of the photo if you're watching on video that red hue in the stadium when they have the red lights turned on was made even cooler by the uh the presence of the fog that red light shining in that fog made the stadium on some of the photos I saw this weekend look really pretty remarkable. Of course, Humphrey's caption to this is notice anything, three former Florida commits all standing there in Athens. So as a Gator hater, we like that. But to see shame, uh, I should say to see James, Shamar James, to see James getting the red carpet, no pun intended, rolled out for him in light of what Roquan said on TV and what Georgia has done in the linebacker spot, that is uh, really fun to consider there too. So Still too early for me to know what's going to go down with Shamar James before National Signing Day is over and done with. I think the odds are that Alabama remains kind of a factor in this recruitment, James, hailing from the state of Alabama. But it certainly seems like Georgia's in a pretty good position, and it's got great success to sell at the linebacker position to to get a guy like James in the fold. And if you're curious more about C.J. Smith there, uh, who, as I said before, Jeff talked about on Friday, go back and listen to Friday's edition of Dog Nation Daily if you missed that. A good update on James. Jeff thinks it's very realistic. Good update on Chandler Smith. Georgia needs help at the wide receiver position. A guy like Smith might be uh, a name to consider there. Fun to hear all of that from uh, the perspective of Jeff Sintel from Friday on Dog Nation Daily. Make sure you check that out. Now, the other big story we're going to have to cover from a number of different angles today is obviously Dan Lanning moving on from Georgia defensive coordinators, uh, the Georgia defensive coordinator role, and becoming Oregon head coach. We'll talk about this from the on-field impact in a moment. Let me talk about this from the recruiting impact now. And when I was on video with you for a little bit on Saturday, and I had to do kind of a quick video on that just because it was my son's birthday and I was kind of in the midst of all of that. And so I kind of popped on for a few minutes to give you kind of some stream of conscious type thoughts about Lanning moving on. Not really a surprise. A guy like that's in the mix for a head coach. I was certainly very impressed that a a man as young as Lanning, just 35 years old, getting a chance to move into one of the more high-profile jobs in all of college football. As I said before, that Oregon job is probably the second best job in the Pacific time zone, probably only behind uh, USC, probably the second most prestigious job, maybe west of the Colorado River in that kind of area of our country that's west of the state of Texas. The Oregon job, because of all the Nike money and because you know, Ducks have been in a college football playoff. Ducks played for a BCS title game 
uh, back in 2010. That's a pretty prestigious, high-profile job. Dan Lanning gets himself a really good job by getting this, and all the Georgia fans are kind of you know left to wonder, well, what does this mean for the 2022 class? You can go to dognation.com, and you can see a long list of Georgia defensive pledges that very much and very quickly reaffirm their commitment to UGA even in light of the Dan Lanning news and so that was a nice thing to see and I guess understanding those guys for the most part have all remained solid with Georgia throughout this process it becomes fair to ask well what about a guy that Georgia's trying to get in on and and get in good with here in the late stages last minute for instance like a guy like Marvin Jones Jr. That's a position group that even, you know, landing, that's an edge rusher type guy. That's the kind of guy that Lang would have even greater influence on, you would think. And I'll show you this image of Jones from his visit to Georgia here this weekend. This is a, certainly a name worth, you know, watching here at the end. If you're kind of thinking about some of those Georgia stretch goals, those opportunities for Georgia to kind of get in late with the kind of guy that would take an already great recruiting class and put it into the stratosphere. A guy like Marvin Jones Jr. is an example of that. I mean, it just goes without saying that losing Lanning right here before the 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 the, the start of the early signing period might not help uh, George with Jones very much. But you know, I, I don't know that I would have considered George the favorite with Marvin Jones Jr. anyway. And uh, that's not to say that they can't win that recruiting battle come Wednesday. They obviously clearly could, but they're going to now have to do that without Dan Lanning. So. That's just some of the moving pieces and parts that go along with that. That there's never a great time to lose an assistant coach. You're always right ahead of some sort of deadline somewhere. It just so happens this time of year is right there before the start of that early signing period. So I know that George is going to try to keep that full court press on Marvin Jones Jr. here and see if they can win with him late. But doing so without Dan Lanning obviously makes that job a, a little bit more difficult. So the bottom line is this. Georgia hosted a bunch of major targets here this weekend. And if you want to go back and listen to what Jeff Sintel said on Friday, it seems like going into that weekend, Georgia felt like it had an inside track on a lot of those names. James included, Marvin Jones Jr. We'll have to wait and see about that. But Georgia's still in the mix in a very big way for some of the big, uncommitted prospects here for the class of 2022. So it's doing work on that simultaneous to all that it's doing work in the college football playoff there as well it'll do that without Dan Lanning and as far as what else is going on in the absence of Lanning at UGA we'll talk more about that as the show rolls on but first let's introduce things for you here for a moment take care of a little business my name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia and we're glad to have you with us whether you join us at 945 for our first and 15 on the Dog Nation app or at dognation.com or if you pop on at 10 a.m on video facebook youtube twitter twitch radio of course at noon on athens sports radio 960 the ref podcast form wherever you find them including the world famous dognation.com all the other podcast platforms there as well big thanks to you for being with us today and also a huge thanks to our friends at pella window and door of georgia for making all of this possible. Great, great stuff from our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Yeah, they equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. And that's important this time of year because you've got energy in your house. And energy bills right now are, as we head into the the true heart of the winter season, are probably more expensive than they've been in quite some time. You know, you hear about this all over the place. And obviously, for the money that you spend on the energy, you want to keep it inside your house. And that's what, that's what better windows and doors give you a chance to do, the kind that are offered to you by Pella Window and Door. They 
got great expert people that want to have a consultation with you and want to talk to you about all the installation options you have, all of the choices that you can make, the very best windows and doors you can put in your house, the kind of stuff that you're going to be proud of, the kind of stuff that looks good on the outside, feels good on the inside. That is what Pella Window and Door of Georgia offers for you. they got great savings for you as well. Right now, you can get 40% off qualifying installations or 0% APR for 24 months. So great savings on all of that and a great way to get in touch with them. Uh, how about PellaofGA.com uh, slash Dog Nation? That's the website. PellaofGA.com slash Dog Nation. You can also give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. We'll have John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a little bit. Before that, though, let's get ready to go around the doghouse, assisted today by our friends at AAA. And I want to get in more into the Dan Lanning situation. A lot of you are aware of the timeline here. Chip Towers reported this story, broke the story on Friday, that Dan Lanning was leaving to go be Oregon head coach. This on the side of things for Lanning is just a huge deal. This is a, as I mentioned a moment ago, this is a terrific job for such a young coach to be getting. And obviously it speaks to the success that the Georgia program has had that um, that that guys like this are leaving for such big jobs, you know. Mel Tucker left the Georgia defensive coordinator role to go become Colorado head coach. A couple of years later, he's at Michigan State. Now he's making $100 million, you know, $10 million a year, something crazy like that. Sam Pittman was Georgia offensive line coach. He leaves and goes and becomes Arkansas head coach. That the success that Georgia has enjoyed has benefited the assistant coaches that have worked under Smart. And that's the kind of thing as a UGA fan you ought to celebrate and be happy about because I think it also speaks to your ability to attract other big names into these roles. Folks, pay attention to this kind of stuff the kind of driven, ambitious coaches that you want employed at Georgia are also looking for places where they can have professional advancement. Pretty clearly, you see Georgia being a place for all of that. Now, the question in the aftermath of this is, well, what does this mean for Georgia with Lanning now gone? We talked about the recruiting angle of this before, the fact that seemingly every recruit that was already in the fold seems to have reaffirmed their pledge to UGA through this. That's good news. You're kind of left to wonder about, well, how about those guys that are kind of out there in the open market still, whether it be like a Christian Miller type or uh, or we mentioned specifically a Marvin Jones Jr. or, you know, on you, on you might go with some of those guys. I think some of that still remains to be seen, but obviously Georgia has a well-built-out recruiting apparatus that they are – I mean, one of the things you can't discount is Georgia's ability to quickly inform its recruits. You know, we have seen examples before – when coaches leave, a lot of recruits are left in the dark. I'm talking about other programs around college football, and that's not really a good way to do long-term business. I think you trust Georgia pretty well to quickly inform the recruits that will be impacted by Lanning's departure to kind of let them know how Georgia plans on moving on without Dan Lanning, which I think makes folks feel comfortable. Or if you're a guy like a – let's just use a Marvin Jones Jr. as an example of this. If you enjoy a Georgia visit but you hear about Lanning while you're on that visit and you're kind of left to wonder, well, what does this mean for me going forward? I think Georgia has enough infrastructure in place that it can kind of help explain to a guy like that, this is what is changing. This is what's not changing. Here's what you already like about Georgia. Here's how that's going to maybe you know remain the same even without Lanning here before. Georgia's just seemingly pretty good at doing those kinds of things. Also, I think this kind of leaves a lot of Georgia fans wondering themselves with some confusion. Smart did come out pretty quickly on Saturday with a statement related to all of this. Let me read you the Kirby Smart statement. What I did was I just kind of took a picture of this straight off the Dog Nation homepage, uh, the the story from dognation.com, and I'll read the Kirby Smart statement. So Smart says, we are so happy for Dan and his family. He and Sophia have been an important part of our Bulldog family for the last four years, and we thank them for all they did for Georgia and the Athens community. 
Opportunities like this are a testament to a successful program. While he will coach with us for the upcoming college ball playoff, we will move forward with Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp as co-defensive coordinators. Dan and I are both looking forward to preparing for the college football playoff. So let me make a statement. Let me also admit something after that. The one thing you want to see if you're a Georgia fan is stability from your program. You know, you don't want to see – I'll use an example here. Think about a school like LSU where you've like this – constant like revolving door of guys into the transfer portal coaches are on the move there are all these weird rumors that kind of pop up like that's the even if you win a national championship which LSU did in 2019 ultimately success like that becomes not really sustainable over the long haul because there's just so much craziness going on around the program like there's nothing you can do to keep your assistant coaches from becoming targets of other programs job and if a Georgia assistant's offered the head coaching position at Oregon of course he's going to take that. So you really have very little control over that. Eventually programs are just going to come for your coaches if you're successful enough. But you do have some control over how you respond to all of this. Are you able to act quickly? Are you able to, to no pun intended, get your ducks in a row? Obviously, that being the mascot of Oregon. Can you get your ducks in a row very quickly to have a very strong statement in response and landing moving on? Still staying here for the college ball playoff. Admittedly, his attention is going to be divided, but as a presence, he's still here. So there's no additional distraction by Lanning not being here anymore. So that's a box checked. George is able to say, we've got co-defensive coordinators in place, Glenn Schumann and, and Will Muschamp. So that's kind of a box check. That's a question that would be asked. And Smart's able to provide an answer for that for recruits right now and for um, – you know, for just fans who kind of wonder about preparations for the college football playoff. Now, admittedly, and this is one of those things I even told some of my Dog Nation colleagues this this morning. What's not obvious to me, and maybe it's obvious to everybody else, maybe I'm just not very smart. What's not obvious to me is, does this mean these guys are also co-defensive coordinators after the college football playoff? Like, is this an announcement this is done? Is there still the potential of a of a Schumann being on someone else's radar, it seems like that might be the case. Or even a Will Muschamp potentially on someone's radar there as well. Um, maybe that's the case there as well. Like, it's not obvious to me necessarily that what Smart said, and I even kind of alluded to this on the video a little bit that I was doing on Saturday, is that the announcement comes, but it doesn't quite have the... <laughs> like, in 2021, it seems like the official announcement's a social media edit where you have, like, the two faces side by side, you know, uh, stay in home or some sort of graphic like that as a way of announcing that that Muschamp and Schumann aren't going anywhere. This doesn't quite seem to rise to that level. Does that mean that there's still more movement to come? Obviously, the thought is that Lanning might try to attract a couple of guys off this Georgia roster to go be, I mean, coaching roster to go be uh, on his coaching staff there at, at Oregon. You typically want to hire guys that you know. And the one thing we still don't know right now is what happens to that 10th. So uh, if Schumann and Muschamp are staying and they are going to be co-defensive coordinators moving forward, that still leaves Georgia with a open spot there and a 10th a coach to still hire, assuming that, that right now Scott Cochran, from a health standpoint, not quite ready to step back into a role like that again. So there are still a lot of unanswered questions. And admittedly, the biggest one for me is, okay, so, so what does this mean then after the college football playoff? Does this – does this guarantee, does this secure that Schumann and Muschamp will have this role together moving forward? I, I'm guessing that if you're a Georgia fan, you may have to still wait for a couple of more 
dominoes to fall before you can say that for sure, but uh, certainly a very strong possibility that is the case. I guess I'd also add this. We'll talk to John Sinchcombe more about this in just a moment. There's also that thing of, well, if they're co-defensive coordinators, at a certain point in time, one guy seemed to sort of take precedent over the other, and in the past, that was kind of Dan Lanning over Glenn Schumann, because technically Schumann's kind of had that co-defensive coordinator role before. You almost kind of wonder now for, you know, there's bowl press conference where the defensive coordinator has to speak. There's like the kickoff of the season in Athens where typically both coordinators are heard from, and then we don't really hear from them again at all during the season. That's always kind of been Lanning before. You almost wonder now if it's Schumann's turn to do that. And even if it is a Muschamp Schumann thing, Muschamp, of course, the more experienced of the two, if Muschamp isn't quite ready just to sort of let Glenn Schumann have that spotlight to himself, you know, Muschamp in kind of a, a, a phase of his life currently where he's a little bit content to be back in the shadows a little bit, not saying that he's always going to want to do that for his coaching career. At some point in time, stepping back into a more prominent role, either at Georgia or, or as a head coach again somewhere else, maybe something he wants to do. But for now... He might be content to let Schumann kind of have some of that spotlight. So those are some of the just sort of the speculative things that are kind of on my mind here a little bit as we wait to see does the Schumann Muschamp announcement from Smart on Saturday become permanent post college football playoff. Um, I reckon we'll figure all that out there at the time. But obviously Georgia would seem to be in good hands with its defense. Very smart defensive minded coach and Kirby. Obviously Will Muschamp's been around the block a bunch of times. You're happy to have his institutional expertise and of course Glenn Schumann much like Dan Lanning and Trey Scott some of these other guys that Smart has hired this is clearly a star on the rise in the coaching ranks and Georgia is happy to have him his recruiting prowess with some of the linebackers we mentioned a moment ago and every everything else is is clearly a still valuable asset there for UGA we'll make that around the doghouse it is assisted today by our friends at AAA and of course traveling a lot this time of year many of you doing that too not just for football but for the holiday season there too and, of course, AAA's legendary roadside assistance, the kind of thing you're glad to have as you do all of that. But it's also great to know AAA when it comes to auto insurance as well. In fact, if you go to this website, AAA.com slash auto insurance, you can find more about that and figure out all the great ways that AAA is doing good stuff for you in the space of auto insurance. Really expert folks, expert agents who can help explain your options to you and find out how when you switch, you can save, save big time with our friends at AAA. So check them out online, AAA.com slash auto insurance. Also give them a call, 866-380-1637. That's 866-380-1637. And you can check that out from our friends at AAA today. All right, big, big show coming up for us here. Uh, More recruiting stuff before we're done. There were some high-profile Georgia targets, one of them a Georgia commit, who were entertained by Florida over the weekend. What does that mean for Billy Napier? As he tries to get his staff up and running, what does that mean for George in particular here? Maybe doing some last-minute battling with Florida over some uh, recruiting names. We'll try to figure that out before we're done. Uh, I'm going to have some fun with a viral video that probably most of you saw here this weekend, and I'm going to explain to you why it actually has a little bit closer tie-in to me personally than you might realize. Possibly I'm having to send out a cease-and-desist letter here coming up. Uh, so we will uh, talk about that before we're done. But a lot of news related to Dan Lanning moving on to become Oregon head coach, how that impacts Georgia in particular. Let's do all of that right now. Classic City Logger Insider Update. Let's talk to John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. So let's say hello to John Stinchcomb, Classic City Logger Insider Update with him. A lot to discuss. A lot of this related to 
what goes on with Dan Lanning over the weekend. And, and John, I, I apologize for not remembering in your career. Did you lose a position coach or an offensive coordinator? I mean, I guess you were a part of a head coach transition, so I guess that's an obvious answer to that uh, is a yes. But as a guy like you who's kind of going through your Georgia career, when you do lose the coach that you most closely connect to, what does that do to a player? I mean, how much do you spend worrying about that? Maybe you don't worry about that at all, but what's it like for a player when they do lose maybe the coach that they felt closer to than their, even, even their head coach? Well, it's, it's a little bit different when it's in the middle of uh, a season where you're still playing, I would imagine. Uh, well, actually, I, I can speak from experience there as well. So while we were at Georgia, uh, we had five offensive line coaches, the first being, um, geez, I'm blanking. This is terrible. He went to be uh, head coach at, at Tulane, uh, Coach Selfo. Yeah. Geez, wow. I am getting old. All those shots to the head. So I tell you Selfo what, John. To, to I was getting a little worried there for a second. Man. I thought I'd give you some smelling uh, salts. Yep, for real. I need them. Uh, but so he left to Tulane. Well, that that happened between seasons, and it, it happened again a few more times in, in our tenure there at Georgia. But uh, mid-season wise, it was Pat Watson who okay. died of a heart attack, and oh, no. that was a, a, a traumatic experience for us. Uh, but we had in-house uh, some coaches that, that kind of filled that void and, and stepped in and. Um, when you when you experience that kind of transition, obviously it was uh, shocking and a little bit different than what they're going through right now. So as a player, what you're looking for is, is some symmetry, uh, a sense of, of familiarity. And I think that's what uh, Georgia has in spades right now. And, and not only Coach Schumann and his experience uh, in, in those meetings and in that room and with those players, but also the addition of Coach Muschamp, who – but let's let's remember at the beginning of the season he was going to be stuck in an office and not have any on the field uh, relationships with the players. But that that quickly changed just from other staffing uh, issues there in Georgia. And um, yeah, I think it's really to the benefit of this team and this defense that they have such cohesion. And and when I heard uh, Coach Lanning was moving on to Oregon, one you're excited for him and you think those kind of opportunities are going to come. Uh, just because of the success of the program, and he won't be the last uh, in a long line of what I would expect to be coordinators and position coaches that have greater opportunities due to the success of this Georgia football team. But uh, when you lose a coach of his caliber to hear that he's going to stick around as position coach um, and, and kind of offload those coordinating duties, I think that's the best scenario that you could hope for if yeah. – a coach is going to transition while you're still playing. Well, I think that's exactly right. I want to talk to you about a lot of that. Let me get one more kind of a sort of procedural question out of the way. Like I've had players tell me before, former players at schools across the South, that you know they didn't really feel like they knew their. I don't want to say they didn't feel like they knew their head coach, but they certainly didn't feel like they knew him as well as they knew the guy they were directly playing for. Now Kirby may be a little bit different because he's younger and. He's the kind of energetic guy that seems to have his hand in everything. So maybe these Georgia players feel like they know Kirby better than maybe certain players feel like they know certain coach. But, you know, I've had players tell me it's not like I'm just going to walk into my head coach's office at any point in time. The guy they just sort of felt the most comfortable communicating with was either strength coach or their position coach. And obviously Lanning's kind of had that role as outside linebacker that, that you know, even if Georgia is able to capably replace Lanning from a football standpoint, and I believe it will be able to, this this is the kind of thing that that is that impacts the players that probably knew Lanning the best, right? Absolutely, and I, I think it, 
you know, you Coach Smart has a defense background. Um, he's probably more. This is speculation, but it's educated speculation considering all the experience that that players have had in similar situations. Where um, you know, Coach Smart's probably much more engaged with that defensive side of the ball, and you've got other coaches with with head coaching and coordinating experience with Coach Muschamp and, and really across the board. So um, being able to absorb that kind of hit, uh, I think, is you're better suited um, in, in this scenario than other teams and other situations could provide. So, uh, you know, Coach Lanning is a great coach, and, and you're grateful for him. I'm grateful that it's not an SEC East school because uh, he's certainly a, a great coach that we've been the beneficiaries of his uh, tutelage of, of, of the team up to this point. So uh, you wish him well and kind of grateful that it's all the way across the country because, you know, he's a, a great great coach who's uh, been under the leadership of Coach Smart, and I'm sure that's been uh, to benefit of, of him and his future coaching career. So I want to ask you about more about what this means for Georgia in the college football playoff here in a moment. Before that, though, let me kind of ask this this way, that I think you and I are on the same page, that if you're Georgia and you lose a defensive coordinator to become Oregon head coach, especially a guy as young as Lanning, that to me says a lot of really good things about the program. It's the kind of thing that would attract other coaches to this program because everybody wants professional development. The kind of ambitious guys that Georgia seeks want to be at places where they can obviously have professional advancement and you want to kind of ride that steam over the course of years. That that this is just kind of the way it is if you're at that elite college ball level. Eventually, though, over the course of time, year after year after year, that it does put a little bit of a strain on the program to keep losing guys like this. For instance, I think one of the most amazing things about Alabama is the way they've replaced coordinators now so many times over the course of so many years, and they haven't really lost the thing that's made them Alabama throughout that entire process. I think Georgia's a long way away from feeling that kind of strain on the program, but eventually this will be Kirby's toughest job or among his toughest jobs, replacing guys like this over and over the more you have success. For now, the replacement options are really easy because you've still got a lot of, of, the, of the original nucleus in place for this Georgia defense. But over the course of time, this job does not get any easier when you keep having to replace guys like Lanning. You find them, you use them, they advance, now you're looking for the next one. That's probably one of the toughest parts about being a head coach, right? Yes, I see two sides to this coin. I think uh, you look at the defensive coordinator position at Georgia and it very easily could be one of the main contributing factors to the reason why Coach Rick, his tenure ended at Georgia yeah. just with you know, the possibility of having three defensive coordinators in three years along with some offensive coordinator issues and, and that rearing its ugly head uh, at the end of his time here at Georgia. So that's one side of the coin. You have a couple missteps or uh, you know identity crises where – you bring in a guy who's who's a talented coach, but it doesn't fit the identity of your program that you've created. Um, you can see where that's an issue. And on the other side of the, the coin, you look at Alabama. I think they've been the standard for quite some time in their ability to bring in good coaches and have them um, weave into the, the fabric in, uh, of, of the program that you've created. And coach Smart has uh, created an identity in this program of, of what he wants it to be and, and who – uh, some of the defining characteristics of that program, what it's going to be, no matter who walks through the door, whether it's a player or a coach. But when you have success, uh, that's an attractant. And, and not only for four- and five-star players, but also if you were to give stars for coaches, 
uh, you're going to be able to attract and draw some supremely talented and gifted coaches that you want to be a part of your program. And I, I think that's the standard by which Georgia has created, by which Coach Smart has created, where uh, whether it's young, ambitious coaches or established uh, veterans in the field, they want to be a part of this program. And I, I, there's an understanding that takes place that uh, when you draw and attract uh, coaches of that caliber, it's probably not going to be as long-term as some of the other situations um, and possibilities that are out there because of the ambition side of things. It's the same thing when you attract four- and five-star players. Um, there's a little bit of an understanding that their goal is within three years, sometimes four, but very rarely five, they'll, they'll be moving on to, to greener pastures. So Lanning's going to stay for the playoff. That kind of eliminates that as a distraction. I don't think Georgia will get anywhere near his full attention. Obviously, he's got a very big job ahead of him as Oregon head coach, but at least his presence keeps that from being kind of like one of these glaring omissions, something along those lines. But I also am kind of of the belief that with what Georgia has, you know, Kirby defensive mind, Will Muschamp, obviously respected defensive mind, Glenn Schumann, who I also think is a rising star in the coaching ranks, even guys like Trey Scott, who I think are rising stars in the coaching ranks. I guess I'd be hard-pressed to imagine that George is all that injured on the field by not having you know Lanning as the chief architect of this de- uh, defense for the Orange Bowl coming up against the Wolverines. Do you think I'm running the risk of, of I guess, underestimating what it means to have this kind of personnel switch right before a big game? No, I, you know, it, it, it certainly is a factor, and you want to minimize the negative effects of losing a defensive coordinator while you're still playing for national championships, right? And, and I think Georgia has done that really well. You want the, uh, Coach Lanning to be around. You want him to be a part of the process, but you also know that he's no longer singularly focused as the defensive coordinator of that unit. So um, I, I think very strategically in a, in a very smart way, they figured out uh, a better plan, and that plan is to lean on coaches that, that have been with this team the entire season. Coach Schumann, Coach Smart have been much longer in, in the schematic approach and those discussions, and like you say, it's more of a team effort. But to keep Coach Lanning around, I think that keeps the consistency and the cohesion in the group, and then you've got enough bright minds that understand what's gotten you to this point and uh, some of the things and, and um, really the schemes that you're going into a game with, the, the approach, if you will, for each game uh, and, and are able to uh, rely on that experience but also kind of bring some of their own take in it. And, you know, I, I don't expect, uh, whether it's Coach Schumann or Coach Muschamp, um, I don't think they're going to veer too far from the script that Georgia has used to succeed up to this point because they were in those discussions. I'm sure they had a voice while uh, Lanning was at the helm and now uh, will continue on with that same analysis and approach and schematic uh, attack of any offense that they face this year because they've been a part of it this entire time. It's our Classic City Logger Insider Update with John Stinchcomb. Heard from some folks in our video comment section before the show began today. They enjoyed some Classic City Logger over the weekend. I'm glad to hear folks doing that. It's a great time of year with obviously still plenty of football going on, but also holiday parties, family get-togethers. Classic City Logger goes great with that. So pick yourself up some. You're out there doing your shopping anyway. You're getting all kinds of food and things like that for your 
parties and get-togethers, well, get some classic city locker to go with it. It's from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. It's a taste of Athens, but you don't have to be in Athens to enjoy it. Wherever you're doing your shopping, you can pick some up, 6 and 12-pack cans, available all year long. It's a lager-style beer. That means lighter in color, but it's a craft-style lager. That means great flavor. We love it here. It's classic city lager. It's good cold beer. Make sure you try some today. John, we'll get ready to wrap things up here uh, with you in a couple of moments. But I, th- I think the other thing that I'm still not 100% sure about is with the announcement from Smart on Saturday, you know, kind of tabbing Muschamp and Schumann as co-defensive coordinators, it seems likely that could also be the plan kind of after the bowl game, but maybe in, in – I'm, I'm talking about going into 2022. But obviously, you know, maybe there's a chance that someone still comes after a Schumann or maybe even still comes after a Muschamp. But – Presuming that Georgia could hold on to this tandem and keep Muschamp and Schumann as the co-defensive coordinators, I'm kind of of the belief that as valuable as Muschamp is, and obviously you want someone who has as much experience as he does, that's just kind of a big name who's proven himself to be a great recruiter. I don't know that Schumann, even though his resume is a little smaller and he's obviously a little younger, I don't know that Schumann's really less valuable right now to Georgia than what Will Muschamp would be. And by the way, I said the same thing a year ago about landing there too, that that, that's a young guy that when Georgia was able to keep him and keep him from going to a place like Texas, I think that set Georgia up for defensive success there in 2021. I think the results speak for themselves there on that, and much the same way going forward. For as valuable as Will Muschamp is for all the reasons that he would be, I think that Schumann is also really valuable too, even though he's not as well-known a name to kind of the casual fan around the SEC as Muschamp would be. Yeah, I think that's very fair to say, and, and he obviously has the respect of the rest of the staff and Coach Smart in particular because of his designation of, of co-coordinator. I think it could have been an easy transition for either either coach, whether it was Coach Muschamp or Coach Schumann, uh, but when you put them on, on even footing, especially for these two games, uh, I think it's a tip of the cap to their work that they've put in to, to get this defense to this point in the season. And, um, you know, I, I, Coach Schumann for years has been one of the names folks that in the know have tabbed as um, undervalued or unrecognized as most, most assistant coaches are. I mean, they're not getting uh, a, a lot of the praise and pub uh, when the team has success. But for those that have been behind the scenes, they've often referenced Coach Schumann as one of the integral pieces, not only in recruiting, but just the, the player development and engagement and raising this defense to the level that they've played at these past few years. John, it is always a great pleasure to have you here as part of our Classic City Lager Insider Update. Thank you so much for your thoughts on all of this. Obviously, uh, eventually we'd like to move on, kind of look at Michigan on the field. We'll get a chance to do that as soon as all this other personnel stuff is kind of stabilized there. So, Pretty soon we'll get a chance to take a deeper look at the Orange Bowl. I look forward to doing that with you. But in the meantime, just hope you're enjoying your holiday season. We appreciate you spending some of your time with us here on the Classic City Lager Insider Update today. Always a good time, B.A. Go dogs. Good stuff there from John Stinchko. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, so uh, great stuff. Obviously, Georgia now moving on with – a new face at the helm defensively. It's going to be the tandem of uh, Glenn Schumann, Will Muschamp, for now. We'll see how long that lasts. Dan Lanning, I think he's actually going to have a press conference today. Talk about the start of his time there at Oregon. There's been a little bit of chatter about, and, uh, you know, I realized there was all kinds of controversy on Friday. Most of that I just find to be the silliest stuff in the world, the way that, that people kind of piled on Chip Towers, but all of that. But nonetheless, um, 
uh, there was a little bit of you know stuff on Friday when Chip broke the story, and then there was the weird thing about Justin Wilcox kind of came out yesterday. So I know there's a little bit of weirdness kind of surrounding and connecting the Oregon job right now. That ain't Dan Lanning's problem. This is a big-time job to have, and you get a chance to step into this role here. That's big bucks for him. That's big, you know, that's notoriety. That's, you know, one of the more well-known jobs, certainly in the Pac-12, that part of the country. So big step up for uh, Dan Lanning here as he moves on to uh, head coach there at Oregon. I guess we'll hear from Lanning on this Monday about the start of his era there, and maybe we'll start to find out more about how he plans on kind of filling out the rest of his staff. One thing to be aware of when it comes to the Oregon side of this, you know, one of the big issues for Lanning, obviously he's a defensive-minded guy. You know, Mario Cristobal, kind of a tough-minded dude who always had pretty good defenses there at Oregon and pretty good offensive lines, but did not really have explosive offense, is that there are a lot of Ducks fans who are ready to see that offense perform better there for Oregon. It's been a long time since the glory days of Mark Helfrich, and what he had, you know, at quarterback there for a while, and obviously Chip Kelly before that, who clearly, you know, had great success with a very high-powered offense there. Oregon has not really been that team in a number of years. So, you know, what Lanning does on the offensive side of the ball is going to be a big part of that discussion there, too. We got more SEC news to give you as we go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean today. And, of course, I'm going to remind you again, if you've got big plans to maybe celebrate with someone heading towards Christmas, no better gift to do as we head towards this holiday time of year than to invite them to be with you on the Dog Nation cruise. I have heard from so many of you who have booked your travel. You've made official plans to do this, and I'm really glad. It's going to be an amazing getaway. It's happening in April, but we're booking our travel right now. We've got to do that while space is available. So you'll hear me say this to you a lot here. We're taking as many folks we can. This is one of those things. We're going to make this a huge deal. Tons of Georgia fans on board. Obviously, so many of the Dog Nation folks. We have some special guests there as well. Unlike anything we've ever done, setting sail from Port Canaveral on April 25th, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day Coco Cay, going on the gorgeous Independence of the Seas, a beautiful ship there, a part of Royal Caribbean. It's great to have Royal Caribbean even back on the seas again, obviously, after what we've all been through, but now they're back and folks are having a great time. In fact, the most fun of all is going to be when Dog Nation sets sail with Royal Caribbean coming up in April. This is this isn't just any cruise. This is a Dog Nation cruise. And you see right there some of the shots a moment ago of Perfect Day Coco Cay and some of the stuff. There, there, look at that shot of Perfect Day Coco Cay. For those of you watching on video, of course, the helium balloon that takes you up, what, 400 feet in the air, something like that. All the fun stuff to do on board, a great ship like Independence of the Seas. This is going to be an incredible experience. So if you go to dognation.com, you'll see a link right at the top of the page for uh, the Dog Nation Cruise. Our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority are helping us get this booked. So please check them out. Please be a part of this. Uh, it's going to be fun. Thanks to all of you who've already made plans to do that. Can't wait to hear even more from some of you. We're going to be doing the same thing. It's going to be a great time. All right, so cruising on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean right now. Let me hit a uh, few notes here for a moment. So Florida was busy this weekend, the start of the Billy Napier era. Uh, Kamari Wilson, five-star safety, was there. Uh, Sean Washington, Georgia defensive line coming out of Louisiana, he was there as well. And, you know, obviously Kamari was very active on social media related to some of this kind of stuff. I am still of the belief that this is probably a little too little too late. Like a lot of the stuff that Billy Napier is doing as Florida coach, and by the way, a lot of kind of a lot of folks have kind of wondered. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't be doing this now, but uh, a lot of folks have been kind of wondering. Okay, with Dan Mullen gone, you don't you no longer have a Florida coach that looks like Cousin Eddie. You know what are you going to do for Billy Napier? 
I think I've decided who it is that that uh, that uh, Billy Napier looks like. I think I think some of you, if you look at it long and hard enough, I think you can kind of figure that out there as well. We may talk more about this in the time to come, but I think that Napier's fairly well a dead ringer for somebody that's kind of you know achieved some pop culture fame. So we'll talk more about that there at the time. But you know Napier right now is just kind of doing the stuff that Florida should have been doing a long time ago. And if Florida had been doing a lot of this kind of stuff, then maybe Dan Mullen wouldn't have lost his job. So I don't quite know what I think of you know you know uh, Sean being there. But in the case of uh, Kamari Wilson being there, my guess is this is probably too little, too late. But nonetheless, in the future, Billy Napier is going to try to make Florida a recruiting presence. But this is what you're supposed to do. I mean, you know, this notion of oh, we're going to do BA now. Florida's recruiting. Well, I guess the assumption I've always had is that it, that Florida would recruit. Frankly, I thought it was a little weird they weren't. So, you know, the idea that I'm going to be cowering under my table because Florida's going to try to recruit now, it's going to hire, you know, support staff, and they're going to do social media edits, and they're going to do the kinds of things that programs are supposed to be doing anyway. Why would I be afraid of that? That's what you assume is the cost of doing business in the SEC, that you're going to be doing those kinds of things. So uh, that was the situation there with Florida. Um on the Auburn side of things, another Georgia rival that's had quite a tumultuous weekend. So reports are that Auburn's two biggest names, quarterback Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby, are going to go to the transfer portal. I believe the Nix thing is official, whereas like the, the Bigsby thing is still, I guess, in the reportedly stage. It was also really weird that I, Brian Harson had some stuff on Twitter that was like very subtweety, you know, quoting John Gordon about being a good team member or, you know, being committed to this, committed to that. Like, that was very jilted lover type stuff from from Brian Harson, who you just get the impression if he could get a job offer anywhere else. Like, Brian Harson, this is your SAT analogy of the day. Like, Brian Harson is to Urban Meyer as, you know, whatever else. Like, the, much the same way that, that Urban Meyer, I think if he could get fired from the Jacksonville Jaguars, he'd be the happiest day of his life. I think Brian Harson would love nothing more than to be fired from Auburn right now. I just, I, I, I don't think he likes the SEC. I think the SEC plays too rough for him. I think that he's way happier out west when they just don't take this stuff quite so seriously. Um, I think he'd love nothing more than to move on. But I think for now, Auburn ain't quite in a position to make a move against Harson like this after just one year. And maybe uh, you know Harson couldn't even beat out the Georgia defensive coordinator for the for the Oregon head coaching job, so he's kind of stuck there for right now. So he's kind of pouting on social media about Nick's doing what he's doing. Now you got Bixby kind of doing the same thing. It's a weird time to be an Auburn fan. I mean, it is a weird time to be an Auburn fan. And I, I don't really quite know what you build your program around moving forward here, but to have both your big names. I mean, these are the guys on the cover of the media guide. You know, Nick's Bigsby. These are like, these are the guys that you put on the tickets next year. You know what I'm saying? Like to the extent that you even have like printed tickets, these are the guys that kind of show up when the tickets come in the mail. It's Nick's and Bigsby's face. We're kind of all over the whole thing, and I uh, think very good chance not to be there anymore. So I'm not really quite so sure uh, how the Auburn thing goes. Obviously. Georgia fans are very well aware that Tank Bixby was once very much on Georgia's radar from a recruiting standpoint, and I don't have any reason to believe that Georgia wouldn't be interested in the Bixby situation again. If he is certainly on the open market again as a transfer, Georgia stands to lose a couple of running backs and probably needs more running backs. And on the one hand, a guy like Branson Robinson comes in as a, a terrific you know, recruit. I think Robinson's going to have a great future at Georgia. Uh, Jordan James kind of the same way. And then you think about the guys you have, between Deshaun Edwards, who I'm ready to see get some more carries. I mean, I'm ready to see Edwards get his get his shot to maybe make a move up the depth chart, uh, maybe for next year. I just like the way that he runs. Clearly, Kenny McIntosh 
uh, in kind of that mold. Obviously, Kendall Milton's kind of been plagued with injuries a little bit, but you hope that he gets a chance to show maybe even the college ball playoff, but but certainly uh, next year kind of show more about what he's all about. But that doesn't mean that you don't want to be as deep as you can. You know, running back's one of those spots where you go from, oh my gosh, Georgia's got way too many running backs to, oh my gosh, Georgia has just enough running backs. That's just kind of the way that position kind of goes. So if you have a chance to add a transfer back, maybe not just Bigsby, that might not be the only name that Georgia considers there. But if I had to guess, I'm guessing they make some sort of consideration there on that front. Uh, Also, we haven't talked much about this, but it's been out there now for a while. One of the, the silliest and, frankly, one of the worst stories in college football over the course of the last few months is the big quarterback prospect out of Texas, Quinn Ewers, who decided to forego a senior season, went to Ohio State, supposedly got a million dollars for doing so, and an NIL deal, still don't really fully believe all of that. But went up there, stayed there for five, like five minutes, and he's transferring again. Now he's, go, now he's going to the University of Texas. I mean, this is one of those things where – you know, we're seemingly kind of making child stars out of, um, uh, you know, young athletes. And I don't know if you've really seen the trajectory for most child stars. Not exactly a great track record for like post child star success with some of that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, you know, Ewers kind of bounced around. Now he's at Texas. And I'm sure Texas is very, gl- very glad to have him. They should be. He's a terrific quarterback prospect. Maybe now he'll kind of find a home and start to kind of restabilize his life after what has been kind of an erratic last few months for him. But I'm also left to wonder, okay, so if you know this top quarterback prospect is now at Texas, you know Texas has also been one of those schools that we've kind of heard mentioned for Arch Manning as maybe some of the chief – I mean, we have every reason to believe that Georgia is very much a factor in the Arch Manning recruitment class of 2023. Texas also kind of thought to be one of those there as well. I know Manning recently took a visit to Alabama, of course, and schools like that are going to probably at some point in time emerge in this discussion too. But – you kind of wonder, does the presence of viewers have any impact on Arch Manning whatsoever? I think it's probably too early to know that right now. But upon seeing the Ewer story, that was like the first thing that kind of came to my mind is, oh, I wonder what this means for Arch Manning, because we've certainly heard Texas and Arch mentioned there plenty of times. A couple of other stories are very quickly. Maybe not a surprise, but Hendon Hooker's coming back to Tennessee. What well, was a surprise how good Hendon Hooker turned out to be. This is a guy that I didn't make too much of when he transferred over from Virginia Tech. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, he wasn't even named Tennessee starter but he turned out to be a pretty good quarterback for Josh Heupel so he is coming back uh, I guess there was some thought maybe he might try the NFL draft but he's going to come back to Tennessee so that's a pretty big uh, piece of news there for the Vols a program that needs some stability I guess Hooker's return provides that and then Mike Elko Texas A&M defensive coordinator is moving over to become Duke head coach Todd Munkin's name kind of came up on that Duke rumor mill for like five seconds, but didn't really ever materialize much beyond that. There was also like the weird Jason Garrett rumor that the NFL guy would be coming down to the college ranks to be Duke head coach. But ultimately, it's Elko they settle in on. And here's the one thing you can't overlook is that this has been quite a resurgence for defensive coaches in terms of getting head coaching jobs this offseason. Obviously, Lanning to Oregon's example of that. Brent Venables to Oklahoma, a very high-profile example of that. Um, Elko to Duke, the Penn State DC got the Virginia Tech head coaching job. You've also got some defensive coordinators now, now kind of shifting around for big dollars as a replacement for some of these guys too. That we are in clearly an offensive revolution in college football, and that's still ongoing. But 
you know, it's kind of the, the year that defense struck back at least a little bit. Michigan is in the playoff largely because of its defense. Cincinnati kind of is too. Georgia certainly is in the playoff because of its defense. And a lot of these defensive-minded head coaches are getting big-time uh, head coaching jobs now. Defensive-minded assistant coaches moving on to become uh, head coaches in a way in the past would have been exclusively filled by offensive guys. That's not quite been the, the story for the for, for this offseason. That's, that's at least worth paying attention to. And for now, we'll make that your SEC through. And I'm going to have a little fun at my own expense here coming up in a moment. But before that, I want to tell you about a really fun thing that's going to be going down coming up at Kroger. A very, very fun autograph book signing experience with the legendary former coach Vince Dooley. So I want to make sure I give you all the details on this. You've heard about the book Dooley's Playbook. I've actually told you about this before. Well, he's going to be coming up at the Sugar Hill Kroger. That's 6001 Coming Highway. That's 6001 Coming Highway in Sugar Hill from 4 to 6 p.m. tonight, of course, December 13th, was I'm telling you about all of this, your chance to be a part of this with Vince Dooley coming up. What an unbelievable book this is. What a chance to meet one of the great Georgia legends. Uh, and, and celebrating a, a great book that kind of goes back through uh, like some of the legendary plays in the history of Georgia football. Of course, it's 34 of these plays, and you kind of have an idea why Coach Dooley selected the number 34 for all of that. But he kind of goes back through, kind of tells you the story about how all of this goes down. Also, Steve Penley, the terrific uh, artist, has um, has a painting for each of these plays that kind of helps celebrate the great Georgia lore that the play kind of fits into with all of that. It's just a terrific, terrific thing, a great way to kind of walk back through all of Bulldog history. And listen, I've had a chance to spend a lot of time with Coach Dooley. And one of the things I can tell you about him is, He's incredibly gracious. He loves not just writing stories about Georgia football and obviously Dooley's playbook is an example of that, but he loves telling these stories personally. So if you stop by and see him today, if you get your book signed by him, not only will you have a great autograph gift, a great cherished keepsake, a signed book by Vince Dooley, but you're also going to collect for yourself a great personal memory too because he loves visiting with folks in person. He does this a lot, and uh, this – time of year for us it's really become a holiday tradition to celebrate coach Dooley doing some book signings at a uh, local Kroger so let me give you one more time the details about this I want you to stop by and see coach Dooley I want you to enjoy Dooley's playbook just one of the great books Dooley's a very accomplished author and Dooley's playbook is one of his best celebrating 34 of the great plays in Georgia history Steve Penley paintings to go along with that that's all part of that there as well you can get a book get it signed by coach Dooley at the Kroger in Sugar Hill today that's 6001 coming highway Sugar Hill 6001 coming highway in Sugar Hill it's four to six 6 p.m. today. That's uh, December 13th. So please make sure you check all of that out today. So great stuff there from Coach Dooley. So I'm going to kind of do a golden shoe here, kind of related to me here a little bit. I think I might have to send out a cease and desist letter because a fairly prominent figure within the ranks of college football is kind of stepping on my turf there a little bit. A lot of you saw the very awkward video this weekend of now LSU coach Brian Kelly. And it's still a little bit hard to say that out loud. It still seems a little weird to say LSU coach Brian Kelly, but that is his current job. Of course, he was uh, meeting with a high-profile quarterback recruit, and uh, that young man shared the video of a very awkward dancing Brian Kelly. And a lot of you just see the dance. You don't maybe click into the video, but when you do, you hear the song that they're dancing to, of course, a song that means a lot to LSU fans. It's Call in Baton Rouge by 
by Garth Brooks. Let me show you this on the screen here. A lot of you saw this already, but for those of you that only saw Kelly dancing, you didn't realize what he was dancing to, it was Colin Baton Rouge by Garth Brooks. Take a look at this. So, so that's um, that's Brian Kelly doing that. He's he's dancing there to that. Now, the problem here is, for me anyway, when it comes to awkward dancing to Garth Brooks songs, I cornered the market on that world a long time ago. I mean, a lot of y'all remember this from September. Can we show the video of me? A lot of a lot of you remember this from me going back to September when I was dancing to my own Garth Brooks tune way back there. Yeah, see, like, I mean, if we're gonna do awkward dancing to Garth Brooks songs and karaoke performances. Listen, I was doing that way. I was doing that way before Brian Kelly was. So I'm going to give myself the golden shoe today. I'm going to let Brian Kelly know that uh, my lawyers will be in contact with him very soon about a cease and desist letter as he tries to step on my old, my own turf here on this. Of course, LSU football coaches hearing from lawyers is nothing new, but uh, nonetheless, uh, just be careful, Brian. Be, be very, very careful on all of this that if you're going to uh, – by the way, how much heavier am I in that picture than I am right now? It's amazing how much weight I've lost over the course of the season. I'd already started losing some weight right there, but I am, I'm much thinner now than I was then. Uh, so uh, pretty amazing stuff there on that. Brian Kelly doing his awkward dance for the, uh, for the Garth Brooks song, me doing mine far before that. Uh, I'll make myself the golden shoe winner, and maybe I'll give one to Brian Kelly there on that too. By the way, before we wrap up here today, let me also remind you about my friends at Space Dogs. You know, the crypto space can be mysterious. You hear a lot about it, but you don't really know what it is, and you don't really know yet if you should be involved in it, and you kind of wonder, well, what even is it really? Well, at its very simplest essence, it's just a safe and secure way to make the transactions that you're already doing online even more safe and secure, and that's where Space Dogs kind of steps in here. they got a great array of products you need to be aware of. They've got their space token that you should know about. They've got their space card, their dog's wallet. All of this, just a, a way to make safer, more secure transactions online. You've heard about the crypto space. You want to learn more about it? Well, how about learning about it from good UGA folks, folks who love the dogs and love our audience here at Dog Nation, love the crypto space, and want you to be a part of that in a very fun way. So they explain it so much better than I ever could. So Here's the next simple step for you to take. Just check out their website. It's actually a really cool website. Very, very informative. Uh, dogs.io is the website. D-A-W-G-S. Dogs.io. Learn about crypto. Learn about how you can be involved in crypto. Learn about the dog's token, the, the space card, the dog's wallet. All kinds of uh, really cool stuff going on from our friends at Space Dogs in the crypto space. Find out more about that today. Dogs.io for more details on that. So, yeah, Brian Kelly doing what he does. I don't know about that. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a, you know, obviously a little silly from him. But if we're going to do silly Garth Brooks dances, let's remember who was doing those first there on that. By the way, thanks to all of you for being with us. Obviously going to be a very busy next couple of days. We're going to be all over the early signing period to start to that. Live coverage of recruiting announcements. We have some of that for you. Rumors and innuendo and all that stuff related to who's going where. You better believe that. We'll hear from Kirby Smart again on Wednesday, which will be interesting not just for the hay in the barn for the start of the early signing period, but for also the beginning of preparations for the Orange Bowls. But a little quiet on the team front as of late because 
all the coaches who've been out and about and on the move from a recruiting standpoint. But we'll hear more about the Orange Bowl as you head towards Wednesday. So it's going to be a big, busy week around Dog Nation, so we appreciate you being a part of all of it. As far as our Gator Hater countdown goes, 320 days from now, Dogs get another win against Florida. We'll see you tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door. And on the podcast, I'm now the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We'll take your comments at dognation.com and on Twitter at dognationdaily for those of you who send your messages that way. Let me say this, that I see a lot of your comments related to the quarterback situation going back to our show from Thursday that was posted over the weekend at dognation.com. I see all these comments. I'm not going to respond to these right now because I did really try to keep the promise to the folks that we would do kind of quarterback-free stuff on that for right now just because I feel like it's all been said like the one thing I'll reiterate though and I'll just do this very quickly because this kind of came up from like one of the commenters and there are really a few of the commenters kind of said some version of this and one person said it more emphatically is that the most convincing argument for me in favor of JT Daniels remains the fact that that's at least not been tried against Alabama instead of been it's been tried twice that while I find some of the claims that folks make about JT, a little, I'm a little skeptical of some of that. The one thing I am not skeptical of, and I do find myself gravitating towards as sort of a sensible point of view, is that Daniels hasn't gotten his shot in a game like this, and maybe that's worth trying if Georgia gets that again. So a lot of comments came that way. I want to keep my promise not to discuss quarterback with the exception of saying that there. Um, something else I want to say. You know, on Twitter, somebody gave me, uh, a couple of really a couple of interesting comments. First of all, uh, our buddy Lee, who's at DCU TV on Twitter, says, "Do you think that when Billy Napier in Florida came up with the hashtag Chosen Feud 2022, they knew how literal that that would be taken?" Yeah, unfortunately for Florida's 2022 class, that's going to be a uh, fairly um, a fairly small chosen number there. Mike Mad Dog compares Billy Napier to one of the characters from King of the Hill. That's not what I think he looks like. There's another pop cultural figure that I think Napier looks a lot more like. I think we're going to talk about that more in the time to come. Um, Also, Matt Chastain uh, uh, on the subject of the transfer portal saying that he was saying with some of his friends on Twitter the other day that uh, he sounded like me with something they were talking about there. Yeah, I definitely think that because like the point that that Matt was bringing up was let me read this uh, from him. Let's see if I can find the thread. He says, I just sent this text to a group of buddies, and I realized it sounded like one of Dog Nation Daily's uh, opening monologues. Remember when we were kids and everybody would gather in a yard to play football? You pick two team captains. They have turns picking players from the other group. Now imagine if we change those rules so the team captains have to convince the players to come and play on their team. And if the players don't like it, they can just switch to the other team in the middle of the game. That's what college football is becoming. Sounds good for the players at the time, but ultimately it's going to hurt the sport badly. I think that's, I think that's true. Like The one thing I'm not convinced of is is that all of the changes that for the most part a lot of the media has sort of stood on the sidelines and cheered for I'm just not convinced it's making the sport better for the people who play it this is what we kind of forget here is that people have kind of built this logic around the like the transfer portal and things like that is of I'm for the transfer portal because I'm for players but as I mentioned back to Matt on Twitter a moment ago here's the one thing I really wish I wish that there would be some good, honest-to-goodness reporting. I'm not really a reporter. This isn't my job to do this. But I wish there would be some good, honest-to-goodness reporting about what happens to players when they put their name into the transfer portal. This thing they've been told is a great aid to them. What happens when they use it? You know, I think there's a lot of rumor and innuendo right now that a lot of the guys 
that are going to the transfer portal are actually ending up at FBS schools without a scholarship. They go into the portal. They don't really have anywhere to transfer to. They want to try to save face, so they accept another offer at an FBS school, but that school doesn't have a scholarship to offer them, so all of a sudden they lose their scholarship in the process of going into the portal. That's disastrous. Or a lot of them find they go into the portal, and yet there's nowhere for them to turn whatsoever. Like they either have to drop down a level or they just drop out of football all the way around. That's also disastrous as well. And you can say, well, that was mean that the program they were playing at you know, replace them. But if a player tells you he's leaving, you can't leave the scholarship open. You have to do something with it. So you're putting the program in a position where it has to move on from players there at that point in time. Like I talk to a lot of high school football players and the overwhelming majority of the high school football players that, that exist in life who aspire to play in college, they are not of the level of what's going to be at a place like Georgia. Like there are 130 FBS programs. Most of them recruit a very different kind of player than what Georgia recruits. I mean, how many players does Georgia even recruit in a given year? Not how many players it offers, but how many does it recruit? Like 50, 75, maybe 100? I mean, there aren't just tons and tons of players that even get on Georgia's recruiting radar to really be sought after by the Bulldogs. Most other players kind of exist in a world where two things matter to them. They want a school that keeps its promises. Like, the thing that I believe that high school recruits really want, not the Georgia level so much, but like the overwhelming number of recruits that aspire to play in college football. They want a scholarship offer that's extended to them to be maintained. Like they don't want to lose that scholarship offer. If you make a promise to me, you better keep your promise. That's what matters to players, and that's certainly what matters to player parents. The other thing they want is is some reasonable expectation that the school they're going to will continue to feel like the school they were sold during the recruiting process a lot of that comes down to the position coaches themselves sticking around things like that um that that no matter what gets said players commit to coaches that's just the way that it goes they're always told you're not supposed to do that but that's just not what life is in reality and players want coaches to keep their promises to them they want it more than nil money they want it more than transfer opportunities that's the thing that I believe that players really want. And so if you really wanted to establish rules that were more favorable to players, I I think that you would actually spend more time doing some digging on what the majority of college football players really want because the stuff that you hear talked about within the media sometimes, I don't think that kind of reflects the actual desires of the common average college football player. But that's probably a little bit of a soapbox for maybe a different day. But good stuff there on Twitter from Matt about all that. Thanks for being here. For R.S. Andrews, Podcast Cooldown. We'll continue to follow the recruits that Georgia is chasing in the days to come. We'll get ready for Michigan and the Orange Bowl. We'll find out more what Kirby Smart says about some of the open issues facing this team when he speaks on Wednesday as a part of National Signing Day. So all of that to come in the days ahead. Appreciate you being here. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia, and of course our R.S. Andrews Cooldown. Remember, if your water heater goes out, an appliance like that, one of the major systems in your house, R.S. Andrews in many cases can replace it for you the same day. You just need to find them online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day. We'll look forward to seeing all of you back here tomorrow.